0: I think we're ready to get started. Good afternoon, and welcome to Cato. We thank you for coming inside on this beautiful day, (laughs) spend some time with us in this comfortable auditorium. Um, My name is Tim Lynch, and I direct Cato's project on criminal justice. Today, we're going to be screening a documentary titled The Syndrome. And this film examines both the law and the science behind the shaking baby diagnosis. For many years, when a child arrived at a hospital with a a head injury that seemed to be unexplained, many doctors would quickly conclude that the injury was caused by a violent shaking. Prosecutors would then bring criminal charges, sometimes it would be homicide, sometimes it would be child abuse, based on that medical conclusion. But the film shows that the diagnosis has problems, and many convictions are now being overturned. Uh, in the courts. Before we start the film, I want to take just another minute or two to lay something of a foundation for our subject. But before I do that, let me ask those of you who came with cell phones, if you just take a moment now to double check and make sure that they are silenced as a courtesy uh, to everybody in the audience and to our panel, panelists afterward. Thanks. Over the past 25 years, several hundred people have had their convictions overturned because DNA evidence has established their innocence. And there's been a lot of research into those cases. Uh, Researchers have poured over them to see where the system went wrong. How did it go off track where an innocent person ended up in prison? And what they've found is uh, three or four issues keep coming up as a common thread. One is police and prosecutorial abuse or misconduct. Second problem that comes up is bad lawyering, either because a defense attorney or public defender was incompetent or because they had such heavy caseloads, they just didn't have sufficient time to investigate and research a case to mount an appropriate defense uh, in that situation. So an innocent person ended up being convicted. A third common thread, though, is bad science, and that's what we're going to be focusing in on today. Some fields of forensic science that were once considered infallible by American courts, but we now know that there are problems with them. For example, handwriting comparisons have error rates of about 40%. Bite mark evidence. These comparisons have error rates of over 50%. Last year, the FBI had to admit that their lab experts made exaggerated claims about hair analysis when they testified in court. So convictions based on hair analysis are now being uh, opened up and reviewed again. The shaking baby diagnosis has also been questioned, and the film is going to tell the stories of several people who have had their convictions overturned. Fortunately, many news organizations are beginning to pick up on this trend. Uh, Last year, there was a series of articles in the Washington Post. Uh, There was an article uh, cover story in the New York Times Magazine on this. And just a few weeks ago, there was a segment I saw on the PBS NewsHour uh, discussing this subject. Now, child abuse is definitely a problem but we have to make sure that we're using appropriate uh, techniques and methods in criminal investigations and prosecutions. Because when the science is wrong or flawed, innocent people end up going to prison for something they didn't do. And then we've made a bad situation worse. Sometimes we have a triple tragedy where a child is accidentally injured, an innocent person goes to prison for something they didn't do, and then uh, The other children in that family end up having to go on without a loving parent because that person has now been gone, uh, sent to prison for many years. So these are just heartbreaking stories. The film runs for about 90 minutes. After that, we're going to have a brief panel discussion and then take your questions. We're very fortunate to have the director of the syndrome with us today. So you're going to be able to ask uh, her questions about uh, any questions you have about the film. We're also um, expected to be joined by a neurosurgeon who appears in the film and offers offers his expertise. So uh, we're going to have a very informative dialogue uh, after the film and before we adjourn for a reception a little bit later. So thank you again for coming. Okay, we're now going to have the uh, benefit of hearing from the director of Syndrome, uh, Meryl Goldsmith, and uh, Dr. Ron Yusinski, uh, the neurosurgeon who you saw in the film. I have to point out that I did uh, invite several people who have a different perspective on this subject, uh, but they declined to participate. Uh, Meryl, why don't you get us started with maybe some thoughts about how you came to this subject and what's been going on with the film? Sure.
1: Thank you all for coming, and thanks to the Cato Institute for screening the film. Um, It means a lot to us for a lot of reasons, mostly because it was so hard to get the film out there. Um, Now we do have distribution, and we do have amazing um, organizations like Cato supporting us, so we're very proud and happy to be here. But um, So in 2009, I'll just tell you the background a little bit. I called my cousin Susan, who is... 22 years my senior and has a lot of experience in investigative journalism, um, especially with child abuse, real child abuse cases. And she's a national award-winning journalist and um, for her work uh, exposing child abuse. And I, I had been doing documentaries about music and really wanted to do something to help people and make a difference. And so she said, well, I have the shaken baby story. She was at the Oregonian at the time. And she said that despite the fact that the Oregonian had recruited her to their investigative team, they wouldn't run the story. They said it was too controversial. We're not going to stand up for child abusers. Um, we're, they just said we're never going to run this. So, you know, it's it was done for for them. So um, I basically said, you know, I have no problem with it and I'm happy to take it on and I don't have any sponsors or anyone I'm worried about upsetting. And so... Um, we started to really look into it even deeper, although she had already done years of research. Um, towards the end is when they kind of shut her down, so she had already had massive amounts of research on this, and um, the more we looked into it, the, the kind of crazier it got. And um, and then when we were going to get it to film festivals, the uh, the film festivals who finally accepted us, we were rejected from the first, like, 50 we applied to, and then um, we had a few that were willing to to take on the film, and they screened it despite the fact that the Shaken Baby promoters tried to stop them from screening it and actually sent letters saying that they might take legal action if they screened the film, um, which is insane because, number one, I have the freedom of speech. Two, I'm not slandering or defaming anyone. Um, in fact, I don't even say anything about them. We, we sh- just used clips of the other side um, speaking in their own words. So nothing ever came of that and we were happy that the festivals um, stood by us and, and screened the film, but we did have to um, sort of hold their hand through that and have legal backing and assure them that everything was going to be be okay. Um, which it was, and it's, since then it's been gaining a lot of uh, momentum, um, even despite the election going on. We're still getting a lot of press, and um, it's really a grassroots movement. It's just my cousin and I and the wonderful doctors and people who are in the film who are willing to speak up and share their stories, so we're, we're grateful for them and for everyone who participated. And, um, yeah, that's basically how it came together, and now we're rolling along. Um, so, um,
0: Great, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Ron, would you, mm-hmm. would you like to uh, share some initial thoughts before we take some questions sure. from the audience?
2: Uh, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I did not choose this path. This path chose me. Um, I've uh, been a neurosurgeon for decades now and uh, um, have a, have had a great career. And I had an interest in pediatric neurosurgery, and for a period of time, I did all the PEDS work for Georgetown. And I've managed to keep a pediatric practice going for years and years. And back in the '80s, uh, when this shaken baby syndrome first got started, I, I looked at it and I said, "This this doesn't make any sense." And I, I didn't think any more about it. And I had a couple of cases of alleged child abuse. Uh, one case, and uh, several cases in particular, I remember. And um, it was obvious that the people who were being accused did not and could not have done what they were accused of doing. It was just very clear. Um, But I didn't think any more about it. And then one day I got a phone call from a colleague of mine and he said, I'm doing a a legal case that involves a baby and you've done pediatric work. You think you'd like to take a look at it? And I said, sure. So I'll never forget, I went over to his office and he flips up a CT scan and the CT scan is of a head injury, but it's an old injury, it's not fresh. And I told him that. And his response was pretty significant because he agreed, but he wasn't just a friend. He was a colleague, another neurosurgeon. Uh, He was a uh, world acclaimed expert on mechanisms of head injury and he was one of my teachers. His name was Omaya, he's in the movie. And he told me that the case he was reviewing was uh, uh, involving a baby that was supposedly shaken to death. And it was a trial being uh, brought against a woman who was a babysitter and uh, uh, she was up for first degree murder. And I said, that's impossible. It couldn't have happened on that day. It's a previous injury. So he said, would you be willing to testify? So I said, well, let me look at the records. And I did. And the injury that was described was not a fresh injury. It was an old injury, but they weren't using the words, old injury. They were describing it, but they weren't using the words. And I sort of got a little, my antenna went up, and I said, somebody's hiding something here. And I looked a little more, and the more I read, the more I was convinced it was an old injury. And I said, yeah, I think I'd be willing to do this. And he said, well, it's gonna be a very high profile case. And I very naively said, what does that matter? Well, it was the British nanny case in Boston, and uh, that was in 1997. And that summer, I spent the entire summer reading papers on the so-called shaken baby syndrome. And the more I read, the more upset I got because I wound up with two stacks of papers, and one was about three feet high, and, and there was no science behind it, and the other one was about maybe an inch or less thick, and it was good science on it. And the good papers cast doubt on the very existence of this thing. So then I took the papers and I put them in chronological order and I found out that the entire thing was based on a misinterpretation of one single experiment done for an entirely separate purpose by my own teacher, the same Omaya. And I said, wow. So I said, okay, I'll testify and I did. And uh, it was a very uncomfortable experience. I don't like going to court. I don't belong in a courtroom. Uh, And we finished up, Uh, he testified before I did, and uh, we left, got out of Boston, and I got back into my office the next day, and I said, okay, that's over with, let's go back to work, and I walk in and the phone is ringing off the hook, and there are lawyers from all over the country calling, saying, we need you for this case, we need you for this case, and I said, what have I done? And all of a sudden, I become a world expert in a syndrome that doesn't even exist, and uh, that's basically why I'm here today.
0: Okay, thank you again for that background. Um, We're going to take your questions now. Um, I have a couple of requests. First, uh, we have microphones. Please wait for the microphone to arrive when we call on you so that we can all hear your question. Second, identify yourself and any affiliation you may have. And third, please keep the questions brief so that we can get to as many people as possible. Yes, sir.
3: That, wait a how do i speak okay yeah john bushka do ask do um i just wanted to first of all mention that this film reminds me a lot of a film by andrew jenks um dream killer andrew jenks is a young filmmaker who's made a film about wrongful convictions you might want to meet him online because this is very similar to a film he made in style and Maybe you two could work together on another project sometime. <laughs> I, you should meet him online. Just look, remember that name, Andrew Jinks. Yeah,
1: I've heard of the film. It just came out a couple, a few months after ours or a few months and, ago. And I so. watched
3: it. It's very good. You know, about Ryan Ferguson and St. Mm-hmm. Louis. That would be another good Cato form, by the way, to do. But anyway, um, I was just struck by the idea that This it makes the it makes it look like it's very dangerous to have children or to work as a caregiver, (laughs) as a babysitter or something. I mean, anybody could be hauled into court and convicted if anything that they have no possible control over. I mean, I'm glad that I'm gay and childless. I mean, it's it's very cynical because this is not very good for, this is very bad for society collectively that somebody would say, but in self it almost makes it sound like it's not your self interest to have children. It's so dangerous they've made it so dangerous and i i might have played that up a little more if i had made this film that um personally because that was the one reaction i had to it that that doctor in minnesota which i i lived in minnesota for several years um myself i mean he he really kept at it i have to say that but i just wondered if how you felt about that is do most parents feel have this kind of risk
1: yeah, actually, we get that a lot after screenings that um, people are kind of scared to go back to their daycare jobs. Uh, um, we've heard a couple of people have put cameras in their homes and daycares um, to to protect themselves so that um, if anything comes up, they do have video that nothing had happened. Um, and we've also had people come up and say, my kid's not babysitting um, after seeing this film. We're not going to let our kids babysit anymore. So I don't blame them. I don't try to convince them otherwise because they're, you know, it's it is really ridiculous. I think in the film there's a clip of a girl who she's maybe 13 or 14, and they were the I know on the time code it says like it's 4:45 in the morning. They were questioning her. Um, So yeah, it's it's a real it's a real scare as a parent and and one that if you're just a good parent who takes their kid into the hospital because something went wrong, or a good caretaker, and you're being cautious, and you want to make sure that they're going to be okay, um, those are the people who actually get hurt the most. Um, of course, real abusers don't typically bring their babies and children into the hospital for, for help after they beat them. Or um, And there's a lot of real child abuse out there, and we feel that... Um, Shaken baby is a diversion from from real child abuse. So.
0: Yes, sir. Over on yeah. over on the side there. You wanted, it? Like- sure, go ahead.
2: Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I, I do have a little bit to add to that. The um, uh, first off, I agree with what you said. On the other hand, I'm in favor of motherhood. We have four children, two grandchildren. I don't know
0: that. if that microphone is working. I-
2: <laughs> it does. I'll ta- I'll speak a little closer. Thank you. Uh, all right. Um, I'm all in favor of motherhood. We have four children, two grandchildren. My wife is sitting in the back here. She's been my bedrock of security going through all this. Um, But what I want to say is this. What this does is undermine the cornerstone of medical practice, which is the doctor-patient relationship. And the parents will tell anything they can that they think is going to help the doctors come to a diagnosis. Under these circumstances, they're unwittingly playing right into the hands of the child abuse experts. They will come up with anything. Oh, maybe he fell a week ago, or fell two days ago, or a little bump on a head, and, they, people, and people run with that. This is, this is really a threat to the relationship between patients and doctors, and it's really a cornerstone of medicine. And if you're a good doctor, you make the diagnosis on the history. In this particular situation, it's the lack of history that they make the diagnosis on, or a false history. So they're assuming that whatever information that they're gonna get, the child abuse experts, is false. And that's very dangerous. That, that puts us in very, very troubled waters.
0: Yes, sir.
4: <clears throat> Hi, good evening. My name is Howard Dubowitz. I'm a professor of pediatrics at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. And I should also say I'm a past president of an international society of physicians working in this field. And I'm going to try to quite respectfully, but very strongly and clearly, disagree. And actually, for those here, and I realize the science for those not in this field, is not easily Um, Picked up on. But actually, even before the movie started, in the very first words by our host, we were told how a child is brought to an emergency department and doctors quickly rush to diagnose child abuse. So I'm one of these doctors and I want to speak for many, many colleagues. I know this field really well after 35 years in it and we try really, really hard not to diagnose child abuse. It gives me absolutely no pleasure to conclude that a baby must have been abused. But this movie is brilliant, absolutely brilliant, in slickly showing one side of a story. And in some ways, it's analogous to a movie on climate science where you t- if you took 0.1% of those scientists who disagree with what the other 99.9% are saying and very deftly with careful editing presented their view which is one side but really just one side. This is not the forum for getting into the science. But there were so many distortions in this movie. I recently had occasion to... Okay, well,
0: you'll have to come to a question. Okay, the question
4: is, (laughs) um, I think that for the neurosurgeon up there and for other doctors like him, to think what they are doing in some situations where children actually have been abused, and where I'm gonna tell you that the evidence is truly overwhelming and yet they come up with alternative hypotheses in the courtroom. What do they think they are doing for those children sometimes returned to that home, for other siblings living in that family, and also to justice?
0: Okay, so the film is unfair and biased. Yes. And uh, the last question, I guess, is there's a possibility that uh, uh, an abuser goes back uh, to the family after an acquittal.
1: It's just not true. I don't know. I mean, we've been on this for at least six years. We meet these families regularly. They're not abusers. They're doctors, lawyers, social workers, teachers. Being falsely accused, we have someone in the audience Here, could you raise your hand? He's not an abuser. He's a marine. Um, he's a wonderful father and a wonderful person. Um, I've've never, never we don't come across scuzzy child abusers. Those people don't bring their children into the hospital for help. These are people who there's something wrong with the kid. And as it turns out, bleeding is a very generic symptom for a lot of different conditions. It's not just indicative of abuse. Um, There's vitamin deficiencies, you saw the list. And I know that, I I just actually want to talk about Thomas Kuhn for a second, science historian Thomas Kuhn said that science doesn't evolve in a logical, progressive way. It's actually very violent because people hold on to the old science because they've built their whole careers around it. And they can't give it up, they can't let go, they can't look back and say, what have I done? I've put hundreds of innocent people in prison. There's all these other conditions. Now they know, even the founder of shaken baby syndrome has come over, and Norman Guthkelch now says, they got my work all wrong. He's now working on appeals, getting people out of prison. He was the founder of shaken baby. But, you know, we're not going to come to an agreement. Obviously, you're a pediatrician, you're deep in this, and I'm on the investigative side. So... I don't, I don't know where else we can go from there. But.
0: It's fine. Ron, did you want to say something? Yeah, I can summarize
2: everything I'm going to say in four words Science is not consensus. You may not like the fact that the Earth revolves around the Sun. If you're standing in one spot and you see the Sun seeming to pass over your head, you may say, That's silly. It doesn't make any sense. All of my experience is showing me the Sun is going around the Earth. But that doesn't change the fact the earth has been revolving around the sun since long before we were looking at it and it's going to continue going around the sun long after we're gone. That's science. It is not subject to change and the laws of physics say you can't shake a baby and give it a head injury but as you could see from the film you're sure going to injure its neck. That's the problem. None of us is saying that child abuse doesn't exist by the way. But what we are saying is that you're not gonna give a baby that injury by shaking it. You may break its neck, you may crush its chest, but you won't give it a head injury. That's the problem.
0: Right, and just one other comment before we move on is my expertise isn't from the medical side, but it's more on the legal side. And as the (coughs) film points out, when there are penalties involved for not reporting, that obviously puts legal pressure on people in borderline situations, i better report it and let the other authorities sort this out. So it starts pressuring cases to go into the system. And so I think uh, that is definitely a point worth uh, noting uh, as far as these cases go. A few more questions. Yes, ma'am.
5: I'm Sylvia Royce, a uh, criminal defense attorney and a former uh, federal prosecutor. And I would just like to add to what Mr. Lynch said in in response to the doctor's comment over here. It is terrible when a guilty person goes free and goes back to have a chance to commit the same or a worse crime. But our our system is set up so that in close cases, the tie goes to the defendant. He is supposed to be acquitted. Um, it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with what your hunch is or how despicable a person you think he is or your fear of what he might do in the future. If the government hasn't made its case, the, a, the uh, defendant goes free, and that's the way we've always done it. I think that's the correct way.
0: Okay, thank you for that comment. We have time for one more question. Yes, sir, right over here.
5: Thank you. David Sobelson, Washington, DC. Uh, I noticed that uh, uh, a very high percentage of the defendants in your movie are women to such an extent that the law professor at DePaul used the generic she at one point. Uh, and I wonder if that reflects the prosecutions around the country and what you think that particular dynamic has to do with the politics of this syndrome, that, that if, if this is true, the defendants tend to be women.
1: I think it's actually more simple. I think it's just that more women are caring for children um, in, their, in their daily jobs and are the ones staying home with the kids. Um, I don't know what – I'll ask Dr. Usinski what he thinks, but I know Dr. John Plunkett had said that he feels that the boyfriends are unfairly um, sought after in these cases. But I, I agree that there's much more women, in, and I just assume that it's because more women are working with babies and children.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's the case. It it's whoever happens to be in contact with the child when the, when the child gets the baby when the baby gets sick and more women are with the babies than men. Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm afraid we've run out of time, but both of our panelists here are going to be available in the reception and we can continue the conversation there. Would you please thank our panelists for a good discussion? <laughs>